The Brian McClanahan Show, episode 314. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to The Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to the Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, at Brian McClanahan. Like my Facebook page, at Brian McClanahan. And of course, subscribe to my YouTube page, where you can watch this podcast, at Brian McClanahan. You can find all those social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B-R-I-O-N, mcclanahan.com. While you're there, give me an email address, and I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, and a free audiobook of the same title read by yours truly. You can support the show by going to mclanahanacademy.com. It's always free to enroll. You get a free class when you enroll. And you can purchase one of my classes there, which, of course, helps support the show. And I've got a new class coming out very soon. If you are enrolled in the academy for free, free of charge, you get the best deals on forthcoming courses. So you're going to want to get enrolled. Then you're going to get the best deals, and you're going to be happy. You support the show. You get cool stuff, great stuff. I get to continue doing this podcast that's free of charge all on your support on the back end. You can also support the show by going to brianmcclanahan.com forward slash support. You can throw a few pennies my way, help keep the lights on, help keep the podcast going. You get your book plates there if you want my autograph on one of my books. It's a win-win for that too. I just sign it, send it to you, stick it on the book, you got it. You can also support the show by going to learntrue, T-R-U-E, learntruehistory.com. It's always uh, it's a great website, uh, 20 plus classes there. It's Tom Woods uh, Liberty Classroom. So I teach there along with Tom and Brad Berzer and Kevin Goodsman and Jason Jewell and Bob Murphy, a lot of great instructors. So you're going to want to get out there and get that website as well. Don't forget to get your Brian McClanahan Show logo apparel. Just go to that shop tab at the top of my page, brianmcclanahan.com. You can also get the Think Locally, Act Locally stickers. I mean, now's the time to do that. We've got so much going on with that, and this is going to be the point of this episode today. And don't forget to share this episode around on social media. Share it on Facebook, Twitter. Rate it on your favorite podcast website. Wherever you get your podcasts, rate it. Like it. Make sure we get this organic audience growing because that's the way that we're really going to reach more people. So lots of great ways to support the show, and I do appreciate your support. Send any recommendations my way. Uh, I want you interacting with the show. Okay. Let's talk about the topic, and this was initially, of course, I took a two-week break. I'm back this week. This was initially going to be the first show I did when I came back, but as I said in the last episode, I mean, (laughs) you wake up and the whole world's different two weeks later. Two weeks ago, we were talking about coronavirus, and uh, the economy completely shut down, and people growing restless about that. We had protests. We had protests. Uh, for people, you know, wanting to get their job back, they wanted to go back to work. Those protests were no good. But another kind of protest, which fits the leftist narrative, is just fine. I mean, we can protest all we want. We can even have Nancy Pelosi out walking around the protests. But if Donald Trump had done that two weeks ago, when we had protests, or three weeks ago, or four weeks ago, when we had protests in places like Michigan and elsewhere, For people to go back to work while you're killing grandma. And if Donald Trump had walked around, he would have been excoriated in the news for that. But Nancy Pelosi can go out and walk around to protest now. Oh, Nancy, you're doing a great job with this. 
I mean, this is what we need to do, right? You need to get out there and support. I mean, these people need your support, Nancy. Get out and walk around these people. By the way, breaking news. You've probably already seen it because this podcast is running a day after it came out. But breaking news, George Floyd had coronavirus. Uh, so that's interesting, right? A lot of people probably have it that don't even know they have it. He obviously, I mean, maybe he had symptoms. I don't know. Uh, they are saying that it was cardiac arrest that killed him, but it was uh, ultimately killed him, though it was, um, of course, uh, exacerbated by the restraints that were being used, So, um, which was deadly. I mean, that's, that's a whole other conversation. But I was going to talk about the efforts to try to get businesses back open. And I have a friend of mine uh, in Delaware. He runs an art studio. I've talked about him. Of course, his painting used to be behind me. Now it's not there because I've moved my studio for a time being. His name is Brax. He goes, his name is Abraxas. And if you go, I think it's Abraxas Art. Abraxas like the Santana album. Abraxas. Abraxasart.com. You can find all of his stuff. But uh, he has a little art studio in the town where I grew up. And um, he has decided, or at the time, two weeks ago, to go on a crusade to try to get the town back open again. You know, Ocean City, Maryland, which is just down the road from where I grew up, was basically open, whereas everything in Delaware was not. And uh, so he decided he was going to make us think about this. He started writing the governor. He started getting in touch with his state legislators. He was thinking locally and acting locally, and he did something ingenious. He made his art studio a furniture store. He put masks and sanitizer out front and had people come by, and he put his art out there too so you could buy that as well. And he, he said, look, I'm a furniture store now. And so he's able to open back up again. But you had all kinds of businesses in this area, and it's a, cute, it's a, it's a nice little part of of this town, uh, where it's a little town, little coastal town, tourist area, um, old buildings. You're talking about buildings that are, you know, for America, they're old, you know, 300 plus years old in this little part of, of the state. It's the oldest town in the state. And um, he was, you know, concerned about the fact that a lot of businesses were having to close up. We still have not seen the fallout of this COVID 19 economic destruction. It's coming. I mean, we, peop, the, the government has propped up the economy in a way by sending out all these stimulus checks, quote-unquote, by racking up trillions of dollars in more debt, destroying the dollar ultimately. But this is how they've you know, made it to where uh, the economy hasn't crashed completely. But now those things are running out. You've got people applying for unemployment. You've got, uh, you know, they're not getting it. Um, and this is why many states have just said, look, we got to go back to work. But the problem is when you have stores like AMC or chains, AMC, movies, may not come back. You've got other major retailers. Pier 1 has declared bankruptcy. They're, they're liquidating everything. You've got uh, other JCPenney's on the verge of bankruptcy. You've got other major retailers that are in serious trouble. The retail apocalypse, which had already begun before COVID-19, is just going to wipe everything out. I would not be surprised if major, many major retail chains just never open the doors again. People are, I mean, look, this made Jeff Bezos a trillionaire because now people just went to Amazon. So what happened is you had people working in stores, shopkeepers essentially. Now they're going to have to go work in Amazon warehouses, which 
aren't any fun. I mean, it's, it's a factory environment, right? So you've, you've changed the way that people have to work. Or they're going to have to find something else to do. I mean, this is, this is the new reality of America. COVID-19 wiped out. And you could say, I mean, look, it made certain people lots and lots of money. And they were fine with it. But it wiped out brick-and-mortar retail stores, which it's, it's, a, it's a travesty in many ways. Because, I mean, for example, I know you can close shop online, but it's easier to go try the stuff on in the store and see how it fits there and pick stuff out. I mean, there are, there are, there's a necessity for brick-and-mortar stores, bookstores. I mean, here's a, I, I, I write books. Uh, and it's great to go into a bookstore and leaf through a book. I know you can do it some online. You look through a few pages, but you can't look at the whole bookstore. You can pull up the whole book. You could sit there and read practically the whole book and never buy it if you didn't want to. But you can read major portions of the book. You can't do that online. So um, we are seeing the end of an era in America, and that's retail shopping. Now, is that a bad thing or a good thing? I mean, that's, that's debatable. Uh, at least uh, brick-and-mortar retail shopping, I should say. So... Uh, my friend Brax has decided that he's going to uh, uh, try to confront this head on. But then you get George Floyd and the riots that ensued. So in one case, you can't go to a funeral. You can't have anything. You can't go shopping. You can't do anything because if you did, and we had the media all over the place. As soon as the George Floyd riots began, I posted on Twitter and now everyone has done this, but I mean, it was immediately. So it's okay, you know, the press, if you're going out to protest, uh, you know, not being able to work, uh, you need to stay home. But if you're going out to protest George Floyd, well, exercise your First Amendment rights. And, and I did this and I tagged at the time, it was, I think, downtown Atlanta or something. It was right when all that stuff began. And I tagged it in it. And of course, all the lefties immediately jumped all over me saying, well, it's not about haircuts and Applebee's. This is about something real. And, of course, the Atlanta mayors come out and said, don't burn the city. You know, this is, this is bad. But the media has been promoting this. Just, just two weeks before that, they're on the beach trying to yank people, call the police on people to get off the beach. Now it's okay. So which one is it? Which one is it? But you see, the real root of all of this, I mean, not even to get into any of that, because it's all just so silly, all this stuff. So yes, COVID's out there, the flu's out there, all kinds of things are out there. You can get these viruses, they're bad. Nobody wants any of it. Nobody wants to get any of these things. Uh, they're, they're lethal for elderly people. So is the flu. It's all bad, right? You don't want any of this stuff. But why is it, in one case, you're going to kill grandma if you go to a protest to try to prevent... Uh, your business for being shut down where you can't eat. On the other case, it's okay to go riot, essentially. I know there were peaceful protests, but there were many riots out there. That stuff's okay. That's just people just upset. They just need to vent this frustration. But it's not okay to vent your frustration that you can't feed your family. I mean, this is how stupid American society has become. But the real root of all of these problems, the real root of all of this, is the disease of nationalism. And I'm going to talk about that more in this particular episode because that's the real problem we're facing in America is the disease of nationalism. <clears throat> and I'm going to give you some examples why. When we were talking about coronavirus for a couple of months, and I mentioned it on this show, 
all the time. It's a think locally, act locally issue. And I know people were very upset when I would say, look, I mean, the states can do some of these things as long as it doesn't violate the state constitution. Well, clearly some of the actions that states were taking did violate the state constitution. I mean, there's nothing in the state constitutions that says, uh, now, and, and as I told uh, my friend there, I said, look, in the 1950s, the states took a tremendous amount of authority because of the Cold War. I mean, they were worried about communists running around and how they're going to combat communists in the state. <clears throat> and so they did some things like you know, public health emergencies. They're worried about nuclear warfare. They're worried about biological warfare. This was n- neither of those. This was a virus. Now, I know that, look, Spanish flu pandemic, 1918, some schools were closed. There were steps taken to try to prevent large public gatherings. Some things were done by the states even then to try to avoid major contamination of a population. But most everything stayed open. Most everything stayed open. Life went on. You just didn't want to get the flu. And we're even better able to prevent these things today because we know more about washing hands. We know more about sanitation and other things. I hope one thing that comes out of this, I love going to the grocery store I, I shop at, and all the carts have been wiped down with sanitizer. That's, that's wonderful. I mean, as someone who doesn't like germs to begin with, I, I hope they do these things for the rest of the time those grocery store chains are open. They have somebody standing there wiping down carts. Now, the effic- efficacy of masks is a whole other thing. But regardless... Um, at least they're wiping stuff down. We're, we're trying to take some steps to, uh, to uh, prevent transmission of a virus that way. I used to get weird looks, and I'll say this on this show. I, would, I have worn gloves to pump gas for years. And I would go to the gas station. I'd put on a glove, and I would pump gas because I don't know what's been on that gas pump, and I don't know who's touched that gas pump, and they might have a flu. They might have a cold. I don't want to get it from them. And people would look at me, what's, what's wrong with you? Amazingly enough, the gas stations before COVID started installing sanitizer containers and gloves on the side of the pumps because they recognized that this could be a problem too. This was before COVID. So, I mean, here it is. I hope people continue to do these things. But nationalism is the problem. And I've said this before. We didn't need one-size-fits-all responses to COVID across the United States. If you had a hot area, you need to maybe take some more drastic responses to try to shut it down. Of course, we can talk about what those drastic, dramatic and drastic responses should be, how dramatic they should be or could be. But the fact is the state should have been able to respond in their own way. And the fact that states are reopening is also responding in their own way. Now, nobody's talking about this now. COVID's off the table. I mean, some people, you still go to the Drudge Report, and he's got a section of COVID and how bad it is, and people are dying, whatever. But the big news now is Mattis and Trump and uh, you know George Floyd and all this. All, COVID is gone. Two months to dominate the news cycle, and I think people just said, enough of it, we're done. And I think the, the, the protests and the riots have spurred this on. But only the leftists sanctioned riots and protests. I mean, right-wing riots, protests, no riots there, but right-wing protests, people just wanted to go back to work, that's bad. Going out and protesting something else, that's okay. And I, I mean, the people, these people are wearing masks. I looked at a lot of people in these protests that didn't have masks on. So uh, nationalism is the disease here. And nationalism is the disease when it comes to what's happening now post-protests and riots in the United States. 
because you see, again, we have a one-size-fits-all policy that has to deal with, that has to address these things and deal with these issues. And it's all wrong. It's why people are so upset all the time in the United States. The real problem is nationalism. They think that Donald Trump is directing all of this stuff from Washington, D.C. The last time I checked, Donald Trump had nothing to do with a cop in Minnesota. Minnesota is one of the most, they pride themselves, one of the most progressive states in the United States. Racism's not supposed to exist there. And here you have the entire outbreak begin because of Minnesota. And then the question becomes, what does a Confederate monument in Virginia have to do with a, with a crazy cop or group of cops in Minnesota? The answer is absolutely nothing. But in the disease of nationalism, it means everything. So I'm going to talk about that on the other side of the break. I'll be right back in a minute, and we'll talk about how nationalism, even from the right, is a problem when it comes to this. I'll see you in just a minute. Let me talk to you for a minute about McClanahan Academy. I know at the beginning of this particular podcast or this video, I talked about McClanahan Academy. But let me go into a little more detail about why I think you should sign up for it and why, and why I created it. First, a little bit about me. I have a PhD in American history from the University of South Carolina, and I've taught in the college environment for 20 years. And I've seen college students get worse over time, the curriculum get worse, and students are being indoctrinated more than educated now in our higher education system, whether it's high school or college. So I wanted a counterweight to that. And this is why I created the McClanahan Academy. Now, first and it's always free to enroll at McClanahan Academy. You sign up. It's free. And I give you a free course, 10 Myths of American History, when you do sign up. So it's a great way to get an introduction to what I do. But I've got eight courses for sale there and more forthcoming. All of these courses are designed to give you the non-PC version of American history, to take the red pill, so to speak. And I've got two courses in particular, my U.S. History Survey courses, which are designed for homeschoolers. So if you're a homeschooler and you want a good curriculum, and uh, my family has homeschooled all of our children from the beginning, and you want a solid history curriculum, that's why I designed the United States History 18, to 1865 and 1865 to present. You've got enough material, you've got lesson plans, you've got uh, tests, you've got reading material, you've got reading seminars. You've got 36 weeks, if you take them, buy them both, you've got 36 weeks of material, and it can be used as a high school history curriculum. Or if you're just a lifelong learner, you can use it otherwise. But it's a great way to get a real history education devoid of Marxism and progressivism and political correctness. So sign up at mclanahanacademy.com. That's mclanahanacademy.com. Again, always free to enroll, and I'll see you there. All right, we're back talking about nationalism and the real problems in America. This is why I've had my, my slogan as Think Locally, Act Locally since the beginning of the podcast. I mean, we're at over 300 episodes now. We've been doing this for four years. But um, this is why I've had it on there and why I started talking about that then because nationalism has always been the problem. And so you look at what's happening in Virginia. And of course, the big news is the Robert E. Lee statue and all Confederate statues in Richmond. The mayor of Richmond has promised they'd all be taken down by July 1st. I mean, we're talking less than a month. I don't know if he'll pull that off. But def definitely the Lee statue is coming down pretty fast. 
So the question is, what does Robert E. Lee have to do with a, with a bad cop or group of cops in Minnesota? The answer, of course, is absolutely nothing. But in the age of nationalism, and when you have the right and the left, the American Girondins, as I wrote in a, in a piece, who have been consistently promoting a distorted view of American history, this is what we get. When you go back to the ratification of the Constitution, it was made clear over and over again by those who were arguing for ratification that the police powers of the United States would be held by the states. The states would be able to act the way the states saw fit. This was not a national issue or a United States issue. These were local issues, the police power. So you see, what happened in Minnesota should stay in Minnesota. And the response there should have been the prosecution of those involved, which, of course, they've all been arrested. That should have ended the entire thing. The prosecution of those involved. The issue we had in Georgia, where you had a bunch of idiots murder a man in broad daylight. And then, of course... Then we had the bungling of that from the local officials. That should be handled in Georgia. It should be handled in Minnesota. But this should not be a national outcry. But you see, if it wasn't, if, if just Governor Northam had taken down that statue of Robert E. Lee two months ago, George Floyd would still be alive today. Because you see, it's that statue that's the cause of everything bad in America. And if we just take these statues down, like they did in New Orleans, and of course, New Orleans now has become a utopia of goodwill and grand, noble people who are just, they've gotten past all of the problems of race and other things because they took down these statues. We just did all of this stuff. We just, we just said, all right, look, we're going to heal America by taking these things down. All of these problems will go away because you see it's these statues that are creating all of the angst in the United States. This is the narrative essentially pushed not by the left. I mean, the left does it, but by the right. And their response to everything is nationalism. you got Sean Hannity, and we're going to compare COVID and George Floyd in this case. Sean Hannity goes on television and says, everyone should wear a mask. This should be mandated, essentially. Now, he's saying that, I mean, everyone should wear a mask. Even if you live in a town where there's not been one COVID case, or there aren't any active cases, you should still wear a mask. Why? It's just absolutely stupid. Stupid. That's all you can say. These people are stupid. You've got the neoconservative historians saying, you know what the problem is? The problem is we've got these statues to traitors up, and that glorifies critical race theory, white supremacy, whatever you want to say. It glorifies those things, and so they all need to come down. You've got people like Victor Davis Hanson calling everything that's racist Confederate. Which is, I mean, look, Jim Crow, I was looking at a thread on, on social media. The comments are just so stupid. This is about uh, a sidetrack thing where it got into the war. But the idiots were saying Jim Crow came out of the South. Jim Crow didn't come out of the South. C. Van Woodward identified it as a northern problem. Look, the very first time Jim Crow was used was not in the South. It was in Connecticut before the war. They were calling segregated train cars Jim Crow cars. 
So Jim Crow, racial legal segregation came out of the North. Not the South. But, and this is why people are perplexed, like when the Farragut statue was vandalized in Tennessee. Farragut, and Jarrett Stepman, who uh, wrote this little book, The War on History, which was just a milquetoast offense of some of the things he should have been harder on. But uh, when he comes out and says, you know, we shouldn't take down the, I mean, do you know who this guy is? He's a union guy. He was against, he was against uh, the South. He was against these, it doesn't matter. It's an ir, it's a rational argument to irrational people. They don't care. The answer is, so what? The answer is, so what? By simply engaging them and saying that this guy's good, you're by default saying these guys are bad. These statues should come down, whereas these statues should stay up. They should all stay up. All of them. Just add more. If you don't like these statues, add more. Uh, people were you know, talking about this. There was a sculptor who created, with the uh, Jeb Stewart statue in Richmond, he created a large statue at an art museum, and it was supposed to get Jeb Stewart, supposed to get these people. Fine. Create your own statues. If you think that's going to solve the problem, where did that statue hurt you? Then create your own. Create your own memorials and then put them up. I mean, states can do this. Cities can do this. It doesn't mean you got to tear down the ones that are there. This is, this is, but this is the disease of nationalism because we have to have a national conversation about this, a national response to these things. Regardless of the fact that there are millions of Americans who have Confederate ancestors and you're calling their, this is corruption of blood, you're calling these people evil. They have to denounce their own, that's the very definition of evil to have to denounce the people you come from. That's the very definition of evil. No one's asking others, these other people to do it. But you've got this civic religion in America. And look, some of these things, I mean, the, the genuflecting, the chanting, all these things that are going on, this is, this is the civic religion of America. And so we have a very strange, nationalism has created all of this. Instead of saying, all right, look, we're going to respond to coronavirus in a local way. And Trump basically came out and said that. I, I can't. And the governors have done that. <clears throat> but because we are a firm nationalist, well, because what happens in New York has to happen in the rest of the United States. Or because we're having this horrible uh, situation in Minnesota, terrible, horrible thing to see, horrible thing to watch. Well, everywhere else has to just... I mean, you've got protests now in other countries. I mean, it's, it's globalism. It's not just nationalism. It's globalism. It's an entire disease. And, of course, every, then, every police officer is painted as a bad guy. Every locality has to have a, 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 some type of protest when nothing like that has happened in these areas. Everything's got to, because it's national. But these aren't national things. They're local things. And, obviously, the Minnesota Police Department needs to be cleaned up. You had, you had the uh, statue of Frank Rizzo in Philadelphia, the, the mayor, come down because of things that he said. And this is Philadelphia, and... It was Philadelphia that was the epicenter of affirmative action because of Frank Rizzo having a racist police force. I mean, this is in hiring and other things. I mean, but this wasn't the South. These con those Confederate statues had nothing to do with Frank Rizzo. And yet, the Confederate statues have to come down. And it's a big, I mean, we've got to pull them down. We've got to topple them all. The effort, the reason Confederate statues are under attack is because they represent something that's dissident to America, to modern America. People willing to fight for self-determination. 
uh, and that is alien to the America of today. Nobody cares about self-determination unless you're in some type of group that is promoted by the media. No one cares about that. So you've got people like, again, Victor Davis Hanson, Harry Jaffa, Richard Brookheiser. I mean, look, Brookheiser was on Twitter saying the best book to read on Reconstruction is Eric Foner. Eric Foner. I mean, you can't get a better social justice warrior than that. Eric Foner, who was a communist, whose book on Reconstruction is just a different interpretation of the same material that was there before. But this is where we are. And these people go out and they, they have Alan Gelzo. These are the people that go out and uh, they become the respected voices of the right. George Will. What are they trying to conserve? Certainly not anything conservative. They're trying to conserve Lincoln's second revolution. And that second revolution, this is why I call them the American Girondins, that, that second revolution is now turning into the third. Because if you side with the second... And the radical transformation to create a new nation, which is what Lincoln and the, and the radical Republicans said was going to happen. When you create this new nation, you create something entirely different in America, and that is the real problem. I mean, by saying that Lincoln was right, and uh, that uh, the... Republican efforts to transform the United States were correct. I mean, we can talk about ending slavery. Fine. Uh, that's a good thing. The 14th Amendment has done much damage to American society. Tremendous amount of damage. And there were those at the time that were calling, well, wait a second here. You really want to do this? Now, we can get into, Raoul Berger gets into, was the 14th Amendment even intended to incorporate the Bill of Rights? He says no, and I think there's a lot of evidence to that. Though there were some Republicans, I will say, that thought this might incorporate the Bill of Rights. I mean, there was some discussion about that. Bingham, uh, Bingham, was, um, uh, Bingham from uh, Ohio was certainly uh, interested in that. Though I think the intent of the amendment, the way it was ratified, was not. There are, there are two competing th schools on this. You know, Eric Foner in his latest book, um, The Second Founding, gets into this a little bit. And he, he thinks that Bingham was intending to have the Bill of Rights incorporated against the states. Now, the funny thing was that you had Republicans. This is so funny. You had Republicans standing up in the Congress saying, well, the Bill of Rights are already incorporated. We've got the Supremacy Clause, which incorporates the Bill of Rights. I mean, how stupid. And the, their opponents were quick, oh, wait a second here. No, 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 no. I mean, even John Marshall, the nationalist, said this is not the case in Barron v. Baltimore. The Bill of Rights are not incorporated against the state. They're not, they're not incorporated uh, into the state constitution, essentially. They're not, they're not applied against the states. They simply operate against the general government as the preamble to the Bill of Rights succinctly states. Now, it doesn't mean we shouldn't look at some of these issues. And, of course, states all have Bill of Rights. So a lot of the issues we talk about are really state issues. Is the state abusing power? If it is abusing power, it needs to be checked. And it doesn't have to be checked by the central. You don't have to. You get a, a ticket in a state, a locality. It doesn't mean you appeal to a federal court. That's Cohen's v. Virginia. This is where, I mean, if you take my... American Constitutions class, or my How Alexander Hamilton Screwed Up America. I mean, these are two classes I get into that at McLanahan Academy. But 
This is, you know, Cohen's v. Virginia. The entire intent was to disrupt the way that cases are appealed and prosecuted in the United States. So nationalism is the disease. It's why we need to start having a conversation about thinking locally and acting locally. What is the best response to an issue like George Floyd, which is horrible? Well, it's a local response. What is the best response to COVID-19? Well, it's a local response. And if we live in a society where people are incompatible and can't get along, wouldn't it be better to separate? And, of course, this whole idea of disunion was, I mean, something the founding generation feared because they thought they would get a European-style, you know, disjointed continent with lots of internal warfare. I don't know if that would necessarily happen. But wouldn't it be better, at the end of the day, to say, you know what, look, Minnesota, you be Minnesota, and California, you be California, and we'll be Alabama. Or, uh, you know, have Minnesota say to Alabama, you be Alabama, and we'll be Minnesota. Wouldn't it be better? Wouldn't it be better not to have you know, out-of-state forces come into your area and try to change your climate? I mean, one of the little, uh, when there was, a, there was a picture on social media of this little, little girl, college age, maybe 20s, I don't know, and she was posing uh, one of the after the rally uh, after the protests in Richmond, and uh, she's posing in front of the graffitied Robert E. Lee and Jeb Stewart statues, and she said, "This is these things look so much better since I moved to Richmond. I've had to look at these things every day, and they you're just so offensive. Well, why'd you move to Richmond? Just leave. I mean, why'd you go there? Right? If you don't like it, don't live there." Don't live in a place that you don't like. Move. And you can do that, right? But don't expect everyone to be like you in the place that you move to. There's already a political culture there and people there, so don't expect it to change for you. This is the problem that we have. It's really Yankee imperialism that I'm talking about here. Cultural imperialism. Everyone has to be like me, and you have to change, or I'll force you to change. It's the real root of all of this stuff. You look at these people that, you know, Hansen and Brookheiser and Gelzo and all these people on the, the quote-unquote right who do the exact same thing. You've got to be like them or they're going to force you to be like them. Conservatives, there's, there's one conservative orthodoxy. Anyone else is just a crackpot, as Richard Brookheiser called John Taylor of Caroline. Called him a crackpot. Why? Because he doesn't subscribe to John Marshall or Governor Morris or the other Yankees that Richard Brookheiser seems to love. Brookheiser doesn't understand the South, nor does just about, nor does Alan Gelzo, who writes very disparagingly of the South. These people don't understand the South. Um, and so, why should we listen to them? We shouldn't, is the question. And we should really start thinking about this disease of nationalism. We seek to understand it. I mean, look, nationalism's the problem. We should respond to things locally. All of these bad things that are happening, which are bad things, should we respond to locally. I mean, we've got good cops. We have bad cops. We have, we have uh, good people in Minnesota and bad people in Minnesota, just like we have good people in Alabama and bad people in Alabama, and you've got to respond to those things accordingly. We have hot zones of COVID and places that aren't, and so those places that aren't should be able to operate freely without any interference from any government. I mean, you think about all the things that, you know, got to have a license to do this, that's it. You didn't have that in 1918. So people just, I mean, it was, it was a given that you had a right to survive and feed your family and defend yourself. These things were given. Not anymore. Government gives you those rights. 
That's the disease of nationalism. All right. Thanks for getting with me again on this episode of The Brian McClanahan Show. I'll see you next time. <laughs>